Welcome to episode 98 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy features conversations with Canadian theatre makers of all stripes, from actor to director to playwright and more. If you want to drop me a line, you can find Stageworthy on Facebook and Twitter at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website at StageworthyPodcast.com. My guest this week is Will King. Will is an actor, teacher, and the artistic director of Seven Siblings Theatre. Seven Siblings is presenting their future theatre festival starting October 19th at the Attic Arts Hub in Toronto. Our conversation started just before the record key was hit with the question from Will, are you looking forward to the new Blade Runner movie? When I first heard that they were doing a sequel, I basically thought that it didn't need to happen. It, it, it I didn't. Played. And then once I saw that Denis Villeneuve was doing it, I was like, uh, maybe okay. <laughs> I still, I'm still of the opinion that it doesn't, it doesn't need a sequel. Yeah. But then you know, apparently, what we, it's all really more about like what franchise can we reboot to make some money, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, I don't know. I, the one, th- the one. So, you know, I mean, this could also act as a reboot, right? I, mm-hmm. I imagine, I mean, I don't know if this one ends as bleakly as the original, mm-hmm. but because the original didn't really, really give you the opportunity for a sequel. No. Um, and this one, I wonder you know, if they, if they do that, are they like franchising? Are they like, I kind of hope they're not. Yeah. I, I would hope I they're know. not too, but you never know. I guess that's basically what happened with it is they kind of revamped it into. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I guess they tried that again with the um, Dark Tower 2, but that yeah. fell pretty flat on its face. But they tried that with the the last uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie. They sort of did the same thing. Yeah. Um, as long as... Because for a while there, there was a rumor that The Rock was going to remake A Big oh, yeah. Trouble in Little China. Okay. And I'm like, do not touch my movie. No, I, <laughs> I think like, it's. I think people get to the place, too, that... Uh, you know, certain things don't need to be worked. But that's kind mm-hmm. of the difference between, I think, film and theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Theater. And that's kind of like, I, I don't know, the, I think the reboot is kind of the dark horse in that, though, too. Because it's kind of like, it, it's nice to see another actor take up the mantle of that character from it's, that perspective. It's true. But it's dangerous, right? Because it's like rewriting literature. Well, because the, the difference that we have... I'm going to leave this in, by the way, since we're, like, dovetailing, like, yeah, straight Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I don't mean no, to... No, no, yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah. We're, going, we're going straight into yeah. theater talk. But, I mean, that's kind of the... The, the thing that sets theater apart from film and why, you know, nobody gets pissed off if you uh, do another version of Romeo and Juliet, for example, yeah. because maybe they never saw the last one that they could have seen. Right. right. Um, but, you know, when something goes on film, there's a permanence to it. Of course. Yeah. And, you know, you can always see it mm-hmm. unless it's like one of those really lost films from before we were treating film like anything like mm-hmm. you know when mm-hmm. there's all these lost silent films but like <clears throat> like the film is is permanent mm-hmm. in a way that theater is not mm-hmm. i don't know i think it yeah i think that's that's part of the vitality of the art form too mm-hmm. is, the, is the way in which it's framed can only been be done ideally in that way once mm-hmm. yeah. um yeah and i think it's written that way as well that they, they want the permanence i think directors mm-hmm. are 
uh, cautious. Oh, Whereas, you know, if, yeah. you, if you go up to a playwright and say your, your play is going to be done three times this year, they go, awesome. Well, you that's, that's <laughs> as long sort as, of the as difference long. in that when, when a playwright writes a play, they're writing in terms of, you know, when I write, I, I leave so many holes open mm. for people to interpret. Mm. You know, I don't, I don't, I mean, Tennessee Williams, he wrote a whole lot of stuff, but, you know, I generally, I don't describe a set. I don't. Right. I tell you what you need. Mm-hmm. And then a director and a group of actors are going to make the final decision later on. Right. You know? So, whereas film is like, you describe it because there's people building it. Like, it's right, like, of course. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the macro is, it's so it. funny because I think they're both collaborative, but in such different mm-hmm. ways. I think the collaboration trickles down to the actors eventually, I think, within the theater, just mm-hmm. in the way that it's portrayed, yep. you know, in the way that the information is consumed and you want to make sure that everything's involved and that operates through <clears> them. <throat> Whereas film, the collaboration all moves through the director, right? Yeah, so yeah, the director's yeah. in charge yeah. of keeping tabs on sometimes tens or hundreds or thousands or, yeah. you know, an extreme amount of people. Yeah. Uh, and they're kind of that, that filter. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's really different about theater is that eventually the director takes his hands off the wheel. Yes, and in film, the director never really takes her hands off the wheel. Whereas, like in theater, you just sort of like walk away at a certain point and you hand it over to the stage. Yeah, manager. unless you produce. <laughs> well, even but, but even yeah, when you yeah, produce, yeah, of course, of technically course. you are you know you're hands mm-hmm. off stage manager show now. Mm-hmm. You know, although you know I've worked with a few directors who mm-hmm. I think it, like, I, yeah I mean I always leave it up to the actors uh, mm-hmm. after opening night if I'm sticking around mm-hmm. I I say. You can always come ask me. I'll yeah. always tell you. And otherwise, just mm-hmm. keep keep going. I'll, I won't, you know, yeah. I will, I'll respect your uh, need to grow. Right, right, right. You know, and I think that's important. Yeah. I think sometimes people need the room to take those those risks and feel that they're supported in doing so. Well, people people, And then sometimes that. people yeah. want that support. You know, they want to be, be held accountable in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Because that's, I mean, it's only through the running of a show that you really really know it mm-hmm. like two weeks of rehearsal like almost is not enough mm-hmm. and you don't really know a show until you've like run it right a whole lot um in front mm-hmm. of an audience because mm-hmm. you know if it's new you don't even know what the audience is how the audience is going to react to it yet yeah i mean that's kind of the fun i think sometimes when you're working with um different types of materials you can really you have no yeah. idea how people are going to consume that material yeah. right or how, how they're going to take it mm-hmm. um I always think that's a lot of fun. It can be really stressful, uh, yeah. but mostly I think it's fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I've you know produced some things, and I remember you know being in a, in some new comedies, and but not really knowing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're like, we think this is funny. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean, comedy is one of those things. That I feel like you have to just bring people into the room at a certain point before. Yeah. <clears throat> Before your opening, mm-hmm. I feel like you need a preview for a comedy. And I think you previews are valuable, but I think it's necessary for a comedy because yeah. it changes your pacing. It can, it can change oh, yeah, the yeah. meaning of so much of the material. Yeah. I mean, some of the the, com- the things that I've, I've premiered, we never, it was like fringy and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. you didn't really have like a preview. Yeah. You could bring some people in, but often it's like people you know and who you trust. And then you're like, oh, but they know our sense of humor. Are they, mm-hmm. are they, is this actually funny? So, you have this like moment of like right before that first laugh in a show and you're like, I am not going to be able to relax until this moment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know, <clears throat> yeah. Oh, oh, there it is. And now it's good. Mm-hmm. How long have, how long have you been? Uh, so seven siblings theater. That's, yeah. that's your company. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we yeah. should talk about that for sure. And how, long, <laughs> yeah, yeah. how long, how long has uh, seven siblings <clears throat> been around? So we've been around since 2014. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we've done seven or eight shows. Uh, we did one show. Uh, Erica directed a version of Romeo and Juliet in Windsor, which is mm-hmm. actually where the first show existed under like the Seven Siblings mantle. Um, and she really did that kind of uh, out of school. Mm-hmm. So she had that in the the studio, and they kind of gave her that space to mm-hmm. to do the show, and it was nice. And I think. Um, I think in, in a great number of ways the producing was fairly risk free, which was a great way to get started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for us to feel like we had that kind of security. Um, the first show that I directed as uh, uh, called Mercury for by Philip Ridley. Okay. Um, we did that at the old Unit 102 space. Okay. Um, and that was our first kind of experience, you know, renting a venue, dealing with a rehearsal space. Um, we had the great fortune, actually, in that circumstance of one of the actresses was Anamika Wade, mm-hmm. uh, who used to be company manager at the Tarragon. Yeah. Uh, and she was, in fact, at the time uh, that we were rehearsing this. So we, we actually ended up rehearsing in that space. And Ooh. we've rehearsed in that space since nice. since then. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they've been very, very good to us um, and letting us in there when they're not, you know, they have shows. But of when, course, when yeah. they don't, when they have yeah. space available in the studio. Um yeah, yeah. And so we've done we've done a range of material. Um, I'm trying to think of it's it's specifically. I mean, the work that we do is fantastic realism. So mm-hmm. that's that's our wheelhouse. Everything that we've done exists within that direction. So um, for simplicity's sake, it's often seen as something that is heightened or supernatural or absurd mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. or just kind of anti-naturalist theater. I guess sure. in a sense is maybe the easiest way to sum that up. So we've done um, absurdist plays. We did Rhinoceros. We did Apocalypse with the Lapinagio, which is the Steve Martin play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just one of those things that allows a, a greater freedom for the actors. And I just find the world's really rich when you start moving into that mm-hmm. that realm of fantasy. You start yeah, yeah. taking advantage of of the medium of theater. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think there's that's not to say I don't like going to see natural theater as well or acting in it but as as a producer as a director i i think i enjoy this realm the most do you find uh the this sort of style of theater a challenge in the indie theater realm i like, think so yeah. I, uh i think in a way uh i i've been joking the past kind of year or so i don't know if this is like really a fair statement but i think it's kind of true i think sometimes we we end up producing kind of counterculture theater mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and i think yeah. the, the hardest thing about counterculture theater as much as i love it is that's counterculture theater yeah, and, yeah and so yeah. That people don't necessarily think that they know uh, that they that they need it mm-hmm. uh, but i think mm-hmm. it's extremely revitalizing to see things within this world mm-hmm. um and it's so funny too because i think you know we start gravitating towards a filmic a filmic style of storytelling but there is fantasy in film yeah, yeah, you know? yeah and yeah. i think so often we're trying to look for the most uh, realistic way of showing something when I'd like to see the most truthful way of showing something, yeah. the most honest way. And I think there's, there's realism in that. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't want to see something that's just off the wall and like crazy for yeah. its own sake. Like yeah. I have no interest in doing that, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I think there's something nice about going a bit beyond the everyday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> do you, I mean, once you start adding fantasy into the mix, um, mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, one of the, I think, and possibly one of the reasons why indie theater often maybe might shy away from, from a fantasy realm is you start thinking about like, how much is this going to cost? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, we've learned to, <coughs> with, with shows and I think we get better and better uh-huh. at the expectations of how to do that. Um, we did a show in 2015 called Fever Dream, mm-hmm. which was, 
uh, maybe a bit more expensive than it should have been. But it was it was the first time that I kind of worked with projections, mm-hmm. did projection design, and kind of immersed myself in yeah. it for about six months and mm-hmm. built a world uh, that was as malleable as the script was, which mm. was in and of itself a kind of a challenge. It's, it's an adaptation of Life is a Dream, okay. but it takes place in a, in a corporate office mm. setting. And so each of the four quarters kind of sees um, the rise of this character who's been locked in the basement for 21 years, okay. then he becomes the, the head of the company, then he gets thrown back down in the basement, and then he leads mm. this kind of like corporate revolution through this, this space. Um, but there's things in the play that say, you know, oh, he, he's kissed and the room turns to water. Mm. Or um, all of the accountants are suddenly now account ants, and right. they're ants, yeah. and they march around the room, and they're following him. And, you, and we didn't want to take away from the fact that that was the world. I mean, sometimes there's there's definitely value in saying, you know, we can't do this. There's mm-hmm. there's no, it's not necessary for us to do this. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. in this one particular play, it felt necessary yeah. to to do it. Otherwise, we were kind of cheapening the story in the state because yeah. the. The play, just the the dream state of the play, was so important to the story mm. that it felt like it had to be seen. But uh, for the most part, I don't think that's usually necessary. I think mm. sometimes seeing the people and seeing the domestic relationships um, is more interesting than seeing the world. We don't need mm. color or mm-hmm. or visuals to understand atmosphere. Mm. You know, we don't. It's nice it, yeah. when we have it, and you know when we have those resources, they're certainly useful for getting people to understand what's being done. Um, but one of my favorite things to do with actors is understand how to to play with atmosphere and how mm-hmm. to explore atmosphere and how to define what's going on within mm-hmm. the space without seeing it. Um, we don't need a sound designer or lighting designer to do that. It's just that it's wonderful when they can. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, when you were doing the, your projection stuff for that show, was you were you just like was it straight up projection or were you looking at the the like the live projection mapping that people that some people? Were doing? Um, so it was a bit of both. Yeah. I mean, we did. Uh, I ran it through Isadora. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever built anything in Isadora, no. but it's specifically kind of like a live performance projection software, and so we. Um, a, a very good friend of mine, uh, Parker Nolan, who's like a godsend of lighting capability, mm-hmm. um, got these basically eight LEDs that we kind of rigged up in the space we were down at uh, Jumbley's Theater. Mm-hmm. They've got a studio down by uh, Fort York. And uh, we had built kind of these white walls. And so we had the eight lights kind of set up on one side. And then the other side, I had a, uh, a projector running into a kind of a scrim. Mm-hmm. And so we would match uh, mm-hmm. all of the projections that were done on the back that was eventually built to the show with the lighting. And mm-hmm. so we had matched the kind of the two so that huh. when the room went to water, the projections and, you know, most of the, the image would go to water and then you'd see it just the whole room would go blue because it was mm-hmm. a white space. Too. Mm-hmm. So we kind of built this kind of backstage world um and we basically built it into a theater but we Mm. liked it because it felt a a little bit corporate in that space just because it it was part of um a new condo Mm -hmm. that had that kind of industrial feeling Mm -hmm. and it was also white so you just bathe it in color nice yeah Um, yeah yeah yeah. when did you start being interested in doing theater uh well i've always kind of done theater as far as i know <laughs> I, uh, my parents signed me up for a theater camp that i still teach at when okay. i was about five or six um called theatrics which is over in the east end mm-hmm. um if there's ever kids who want to do theater you should check it out they're really lovely um 
And so I did that uh, throughout all of my childhood. Essentially, the, the way that the format of the, the group works is that they devise a play over two weeks, usually sketch comedy with kids, mm. and they work with your ideas and your characters. Mm. Then we structure them when we write a series of scenes. We don't give them actual lines, but we kind of build the plot treatment. Right, right. And um, we workshop it, and then they show it to the parents uh, at the end of two weeks. So I had been doing that. For most of my life. Huh. And it was interesting that I just kind of got used to it through that world. When I was in high school, I started working there and I was working on the weekends, devising a show mm. once a season, I guess. You'd meet once a week with the kids for three or four hours. And um, and now, I mean, I, I went to university. I'd be working there throughout the summer and now I teach a class on Mondays um, mm-hmm. for teenagers that... Um, we break down work like scripted work. So okay. it's a bit different than actually what they offer usually. Um, but we pick a playwright or, um, or a style of theater or uh, a particular tone. Sometimes we made our own work. Sometimes we worked with existing writers mm-hmm. and we just uh, kind of dive into that for nine mm-hmm. weeks and then show, show the parents at the end, what we've kind of worked with. And I think that's a nice way to kind of offer a balance between the two. Cause I think it's important to learn how to create work. Yeah. Uh, and it's also important to learn how to, to, dissect work and if you can have a good balance between the two then you're you're pretty well set yeah. <laughs> uh so i don't even know if i i it, it was only at the end of high school that i really realized you could do this as a, a career you know you it's, know? Funny, it's uh, funny how many people put air quotes around that yeah when i talk to them you yeah know, when did you realize you could do this for a career um <clears throat> but do you you don't remember was there a particular reason why you went your parents first put you in in uh, the theatrics or yeah uh well my brother signed up the year before i was but um uh i i mean really the the end for me as an actor more from theater i guess because they just tabbed them around us was film when mm-hmm. i was like mm-hmm. i don't know one my dad would put a movie on and i'd watch the whole thing and yeah, my yeah, brother would yeah. be running around in circles and he's lovely he's very intelligent <laughs> uh but he would be a different uh uh, brains or yeah. different focuses. So I, I'd love features. Like I'd sit and I'd watch mm-hmm. um, movies over and over. I've seen the first Star Wars like a million times. Many people, yeah. but it was it was yeah, kind yeah. of like one of the first films that I saw, and so I watched it front to back mm. forever. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, and I think it was pretty prevalent. I'd be making uh, board games. I read a lot mm-hmm. as a kid. Um, I was always kind of interested in character and stories, and it just kind of fell fell into place. I guess because it just it I mean to me it, it felt like the best way to um, understand people mm. I think it was a, it was a good way to understand different types of people understand the world and philosophy and it was just kind of an end towards my understanding of I, lots of things yeah, I yeah, guess. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, when you were in high school, did mm-hmm. you do shows in high school aside from your work in theatrics, or did theatrics yeah, yeah. come? Uh, so we did we did some stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a couple shows uh, within that world, and then I did. Uh, there was a great. There was a, I went to Rosedale, uh, which is the regional art school in Toronto, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they have a really fantastic um, theater department. Um, uh, they we we'd be devising work throughout. Um, my time there, I wrote a couple of plays. They do a fringe fest once a year for like mm-hmm. new plays, um, but 20 new plays by people in grade 11 and 12. Right. Uh, we did Marat Saad's, um, in mm. grade 11. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. it was actually fantastic. Yeah. The, the head of the drama department now is, um, Tamsin Kelsey, who's a, a, a actor, um, uh, and 
she's actually married to a playwright as well. But um, I think it was one of the, it was just a reminder that you can do this. I think she was one of those people who kind of helped me understand, like, this is what you go to theater school. Mm-hmm. This is how this is set up. Yeah, and this yeah, is yeah. How, much, how much work it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was great. But it was, I think maybe I've just been, I've been very fortunate in the sense that it was instilled upon me. And both, both my parents, I should also mention, are, are artists. They're not okay. in theater and they're not um, in literature. But mm-hmm. my mom is a musician, she's a piano teacher, and my dad's an architect and mm-hmm. uh, a guitar and bass player. Yeah. And so I kind of understood that you could be an independent artist without, you know, dying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and when you, I mean, you were saying that when you got... You finished high school. That's when you realized that that you could, you know, do this mm-hmm. for a living. What was it that 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 made you realize that? And then, what was your next step? Um, I don't know. I, I think I just kind of thought that it, that if there must be people who are doing it, and there's people who are doing it well. And I had seen people. I think a couple. You know, you'd see people in your neighborhood, whatever. Kind of. Um, achieved like workability mm-hmm, and been mm-hmm. able to tour and that type of thing yeah. and I kind of figured I just wanted to do it and find out if I could could figure it out and really I, I don't know what else I would do mm-hmm. like I th- and there's yeah. nothing I, I I make the joke that I like I wish I woke up one day and just wanted to go work at a bank <laughs> but I, I don't like I never yeah, yeah, yeah. will have that experience yeah yeah um uh, so I applied to uh, a lot of theater schools. I applied to a couple schools for writing as well, but ultimately I was more interested in, in performing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to Windsor. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and at what point did you and uh, the people in Seven Siblings like realize that like forming a company was something you were going to do? Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of two tiered. Um, we all, we are all, uh, graduates of the University of Windsor, but from different times. Mm. So the link between us is, um, the former head of dramatic art there and he's still, uh, he's, um, he's got a position in the university. I can't remember the exact title. I should, but I don't. <laughs> um, his name is Lionel Walsh and he's okay. a certified master teacher of the Michael Chekhov acting technique. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's a, there's an association in the United States called the Great Lakes Michael Chekhov Consortium, um, which is essentially because the middle of these four master teachers in the, is in the Great Lakes. And so that's where they have um, hundreds of people come every year for a few weeks and study to become teachers of okay. this technique. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had studied with Lionel uh, at the University of Windsor because it's part of the core of our, our work. And really, it had been the thing that I that made me feel most confident yeah. with my work. I mean, I, there's a lot of tools that I learned in school, but I think the, the Chekhov technique always made me feel comfortable and, right. and uh, not secure in like I, I felt pleased with myself, but no, just no, like no, being, yeah. being able to go out and take risks on a nightly basis and yeah. feeling secure in your choices. I felt like it was really unifying and mm-hmm. it brought me a lot of ease as a performer. And so I wanted to learn how to do it um, consistently and be able to share that with other people so that I could kind of build that, that theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ultimately Erica and Madra and I all went in the same year. And so we would drive up, um, into the States every year. We'd, we'd train there for two years and we'd come back and it's kind of expected. Many of the people who are doing this are university professors at different places in the States. There's a couple of people who are private teachers at, um, uh, institutions, but the majority aren't actually actors. They're acting teachers. Okay. And so we wanted to make sure that we were continuing to develop our eye as teachers of the works Mm -hmm. uh, when we were not there. And so the company was kind of formed so that we would have projects to work on. We would have a way to kind of, um, 
explain the vocabulary to people mm-hmm. and get up and do the exercises. And it, it brought us, um, you know, a, 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 um, an opportunity to kind of fine tune that craft for ourselves as well. Hmm. You know, it's just, it brought the conversation into the room so that it wasn't just me going into a show and being like, Hey, here's the thing I do. And they're like, great. That's awesome. Good for you. That's yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. glad that you do that. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, yeah. I don't mean yeah. to say that people are cynical, but it hmm. was, uh, uh, it's nice being in a room where you have a shared vocabulary and we certainly don't stop other people from bringing their other work in. But mm-hmm. part of the, the way that we work is we always use that as our base. It's sure. just, um, it's a very unifying technique. And I think most people who kind of come into it re- realize that quite quickly yeah. that it, it will be quite unifying. Do you ever find people coming in who are reluctant to do it? Yeah. I think because, I mean, there's a certain point at which, yeah. um, one want like, not at not the process won't work for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I've been in rehearsal processes where people are like, well, this is how we work. And it just feels so, mm-hmm. uh, instead of being the liberating thing they think it is, mm-hmm. it ends up being very constricting mm-hmm. to be told that this is how you work when you don't necessarily. Yeah. Um, the, the work itself is very physical. Mm. So I think sometimes the, the only time that I actually experience it in the room where people are um, distancing themselves is because they won't give into the physical nature of the work. Okay. You know, because we do exercises like quality of movement or psychological gesture, mm-hmm. or um, there's one called the three sisters of the sensations where you're rising, falling and balancing. And you have to be able to, it's, it's physically kind of exhausting. And so you have to match it. Yeah. yeah, yeah you have to yeah. kind of give it 110, you get 110 back. Right. Um, but on the whole, I think the the uh, philosophy is actually quite unifying. Like mm, the Michael Chekhov okay. work really pulled from a lot of things. One of the, the core principles is uh, the four brothers, which is um, the feeling of ease, form, beauty, and the whole. Mm-hmm. And that can be applied to so many art forms that it doesn't feel uh, restrictive to me. Right. And so many of the exercises, I, I don't think, I mean, maybe this... I, I am a certified teacher of the technique and I believe it as a technique, but, um, I think sometimes the word technique can be really burdensome yeah, on yeah, people. Yeah, like yeah. it, it yeah. has this like reverence attached to it. I like to think of it like we're, they're games, you know, they, we're, yeah. they're physical exercises. They're ways of just getting us out of our head and into our bodies and just yeah, yeah, streamlining yeah. the way that we, we have our intentions. Mm-hmm. And I think some is in the room all emphasize that. Like it's, we're not doing this because a, dead person has continued to have this command on right, our right, capacity. Right. It's, it's because it's yeah. useful, right? Yeah, yeah. If it's not useful, then we won't use it. Um, and I should also say, I mean, we, we go through a select number of the exercises through every rehearsal process. We don't do, there's, there's too many. There's, yeah. there's a lot of capacity. There's, you know, 18, 20 exercises more. I mean, if you wanted to keep making them up, but I'd say core exercises that you can use and we use about uh, three right. to five because mm-hmm. you, you don't want to waste time no teaching no. something that you won't actually use yeah and we tell people you know when we get to the end of our rehearsal process um just use whatever worked for you yeah, yeah, like, yeah i'm not going to come yeah. over and be like are, well, are you using the exercise like, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't matter <laughs> like if 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 they got something out of it great if they didn't mm-hmm. get something out of it that's fine because we just we we do the exercise and we apply them to the scene work right away it's mm. it, i don't want it to be separate i want it to, right. to keep helping people um evolve through the work and just become increasingly specific um and i mean to some degree i think just uh impassioned in their work you Mm -hmm. know that they want to feel that they have a personal connection to what they're doing i think it can be really valuable for that as well yeah 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 um so the the future theater festival Mm -hmm. 
Is this the first year? This is the first year that we've done the okay. festival. And really, um, this is one of the first times that we've done new work okay. uh, within our company. And I think it was something that was felt a bit overdue. Not mm-hmm. that I um, you know, don't like any of the other things that we've done. <laughs> I, I love the work that we've done. But it was uh, something that I realized that I I really love working on new work. Mm-hmm. And I had been mm-hmm. working on new work a long time. And we hadn't done it as a company. And I think it's because we were really trying to be clear about the type of work that we produce. Right. So we were seeking plays that help people understand who we are so that when the, the new playwrights came in and the new work comes in, it's, it's very, um, I don't know, in tune with what our mandate is. Yeah. Uh, and we just wanted to make sure that we were working within something that we could succeed in. You kind of don't want to go from zero to a hundred in no time flat. But in this case, I think it's a great opportunity for us to support three playwrights um, through a process. It was important to me that if we were doing this, although we're not, I'm not essentially, I do some dramaturgy, but I'm not dramaturging. Uh, We do some rehearsal within our development sessions, but I'm not rehearsing all the shows. Like we we're, we're here to support whatever they need. And it's interesting that with all three of the shows, they have a completely different take on a rehearsal process. They have mm. a completely different team and size and scope. Um, like now he is, is directing his own work and Genevieve is bringing in a separate director and Becky is working the piece with Scott, just the two of them. Yeah. And they go back and forth. And so we bring all of these people together uh, once a month and we've been working on development sessions and each, each month we've had a different focus. The first mm-hmm. was on playwriting and then we went into dramaturgy and character atmosphere. Um, this week we're looking at uh, staging and we just want to make sure that it's focused. Um, and we bring in some of the tools that we know within the work to kind of help people see the work from new lens right. or embody the work in a new way. And then we say, okay, go back and write some more. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's important because I see a lot of times, you know, people get produced, but I don't think they get the resources to succeed. Mm-hmm. And so I thought if we were going to do this, I wanted to make sure that people felt like they were being supported in right. what their development was. And I also don't want to feel like they're being restricted by what my tastes are. Right, so it's, right. it is kind of a, delicate balance yeah. again it's something that i'm learning is is um i think successfully yeah. <laughs> but it's just it's it's how to to make sure that they are supported and that you do give them the help they need without um changing the scope and style of their writing mm-hmm. um so when these these three playwrights um uh came in how much did they have and how much did they know about what the process was going to be like um well, they all knew the type of work that we were going to do. Um, and then the scripts themselves ranged. So usually we had a sample of writing or we had a large sample of, of their previous writing. Some of the plays were partially done. None of the plays were fully finished. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is important because we actually wanted to be a part of, of building it. Right. I think, uh, structurally. Um, we try to be as clear as possible, I think, with people what, what our process is, that no one is surprised. But mm-hmm. also, I think a lot of the people who end up working with us work with us because they want to learn. You don't have right. to know the, the Michael Chekhov work to, to work on a show where it's used. I think right. that's the, one, of, one of the great values of it, mm-hmm. is it's um, quite inclusive. Uh, and so I think a lot of the fun for me has actually been tailoring it towards a writer's perspective. So... So much of it is, is actor centric, but we'd be doing actor exercises so that the playwrights could observe. For example, um, in the first 
I can't remember the first or second session we did an exercise called the palace exercise. Mm-hmm. Essentially, the way the palace exercise works is you get the playwright to bring in about 10 themes and they submit the list. And I look at the list and figure out which has the best kind of um, suitability for the exercise. And the actors um, put themselves through um, just like a kind of psychophysical palace, like a location, a false location, uh, where each one of the different rooms is a theme in the play. Mm-hmm. You just explore within that theme for three to five minutes. And you, you generally do it uh, in character, although you don't have to. Mm-hmm. And it kind of helped me see using the team that the playwright was going to use, what themes they were circling around and what ideas they were circling around. It helped them see how it was going to be manifested before they actually wrote it down. So you'd see, um, you know, escapism or you would see um, plague or you would see uh, ghosts, you'd see loss. Like they can be both literal Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and, uh, kind of emotional uh, places, but just have to keep people playing. Like you don't want them stuck and watching. Yeah. It's like a kind of a different thing. But I just thought it was so fascinating to see the raw material of somebody's writing, mm. you know, and try to put that in the space and give them, um, just give them something to walk out with. Yeah. So that they, they didn't feel like they had to write in circles. Like they always had something fresh to, to apply to their work. Were the playwrights, Watching or participating? In Watching. The, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So essentially, they would they would be the person sitting with me, and mm-hmm. then we'd be coaching through the exercise, and each each one would take about twenty minutes. Mm. Yeah. Did uh, any of the playwrights uh, want to get up and 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 play? Or? <laughs> no, not usually. <laughs> no? no. No, they wanted to take notes. Hmm. We we everyone uh, each first sessions begins with like about a half hour of ensemble work, mm. in which I think it's important that everyone who's in yeah. the room participates. You know, so that we I think that's kind of the exciting thing that I. I think is really valuable is that we've created an ensemble amongst the shows, yeah, yeah, yeah. which you almost yeah. never see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. not, uh, not to just value other things, but that was also the, one of the things that we thought was really exciting is making everyone involved in the festival included in what that ensemble was yeah, yeah. and then seeing the value of the differences because the shows are very different. And the, the styles mm-hmm. are very different. No, that is, that is sort of a rare thing. Cause usually at a festival, you're just concentrating on mm-hmm. your cast in your mm-hmm. world and you don't often get to interact yeah. with, Especially not really early on, you don't mm-hmm. end up act- interacting with a show that's still in its infancy. Mm-hmm. You know, you end up, it's only during performance that you might interact with them at mm-hmm. all. Yeah, so we would do things like swap scenes, mm-hmm. you know, just take take a scene from somebody's play and drop it off in someone else and see just see what they do with it, you know, and the writer would go, oh, yeah. well, that's not what I wanted at all. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or oh, I'm going to have to change that line because otherwise it's going to be interpreted as this. Or, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just thought it's been nice. I, I think it engineers a nice sense of play within the process so that mm-hmm. it isn't uh, cold. How much do you know about the plays as they are right now? Because this, this is uh, going up in uh, October. October October 19th, 19th yeah. to 29th. Yeah, so there's going to be six six um, versions of each show. I, I know uh, – I've read a draft of all of them um, – uh, and the earlier draft, I've read a second draft of most of them. Um, some some bits they're rewriting. I mean, they've never been staged before, and that's mm-hmm. kind of I think part of the fun of it, um, and why we think it's valuable. But uh, it's so fu- it's funny because every time they would come into a session, like I don't always have the draft that they're working on, and so something would come up, and be like, oh, I have no idea where this 
ghosts. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, or, or even for, especially for the first two sessions, what we were working on playwriting and dramaturgy, um, some people would bring in a different creative team. Mm. Like, like, who are these people? Like, there was all these great yeah, kind yeah, of artists, yeah. like, cycling in and out of the yeah. room. And I didn't always know who the actors were or, or they were bringing in someone for the day or, uh, before they kind of finalized their cast. Mm. And, um, now, now it's getting quite, uh, I think, scaled. And actually, this weekend, I'm looking forward to kind of checking in with people and seeing how they're doing. Yeah. I've, I've checked in with the playwrights to make sure that they're all going well and, and they're kind of doing their own rehearsal processes. Um, for the week before we go into production, we're going to have the space available for them. So uh-huh. we'll be able to see um, yeah. what, what they've been doing and if they want any help on on staging or if they have any questions yeah. or if they want any Kind of, where what performance space are you guys at? Uh, we're at the attic. Okay, over the, by um, Queen and Greenwood, the brick and mortar space. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Um, have you worked in that space before? Is we like, haven't. No? Actually, this is the first time. Uh, I think it's nice as an intimacy of the space, and actually, um, this is kind of something I think that works really well in this space. All of these stories uh, function around a fairly domestic uh, narrative. Hmm. Um. And it's nice to have a place that could feel like their home. And some of them are uh, very contemporary. Some of them are not. Um, uh, Genevieve's goes back and forth in time. Uh, but there's something nice about if you... I don't know, have you been in the space before? I've, yeah. Yeah, so there's yeah. the there's the kind of like the beams and just like the way that the, the, the place is structured. It feels like it isn't quite contemporary. Yeah. And yet the entire thing is kind of sleek white. Yeah, yeah. So it, we can go back and forth in time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel... Um, out of place or jarring, it just mm-hmm. kind of works within the space. Hmm. Um, and you know, we can we can light it and we can uh, we can modify the way that people perceive it. But it just felt like it actually fit really well for all three of the pieces. Hmm. Um, and I think having having them in a space that we we kind of take for a couple weeks and yeah. feel at home with, and, and get in there and um, kind of. No, we don't own it, but like own it. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was great. How long has the the whole process been from beginning to performance? Like how long? Have you It'll be six it? months. Okay. So, um, we we I mean we approved the playwrights before that, so I guess we've been reading them since we announced kind of what we were going to be doing this year, and then we went through submissions. Um, and we had a a good friend of mine, Andrew Markoviak, who was our script coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, read through a lot of submissions as well. He um is one of the co-founders of Filament. Okay, yeah, Filament yeah. Incubator. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they do a lot of new work, um, a lot of York grads out of that group. Um, and so we've really kind of worked at it, looked at it, and tried to curate, I think, a variety of shows, mm-hmm. a variety of different tones and voices. Um, the actual development sessions are six months. Like, they're just one day a yeah. month for six oh, months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's... we. I, I didn't want... It, we're not doing their rehearsal process but it's supplementary to their strides okay. as they write okay. um, and just kind of gives them an idea of of um, who we are I think so that they know mm-hmm. what's coming together yeah yeah. I mean I can't wait for the actual being in the space yeah, like yeah, I yeah. think that that week before is going to be really <clears throat> valuable um, and kind of building those spaces and we, we're doing a lot of stuff throughout the festival I think to kind of engage community which will be nice nice um, uh, yeah what kind of stuff? What kind of stuff? Can you, is there anything you can tell me about what you, yeah. you're planning to do? Yeah, yeah. So uh, <clears throat> I'm I'm writing a play right now uh, oh, yeah. that is not uh, as done as mm-hmm. these plays are, <laughs> uh, but it's it's um, a play that's kind of circles around the idea of cloning um, that I've been working on for the past year, mm-hmm. and we're going to be doing a stage reading of it nice. uh, during the second week of the festival, just kind nice. of a low key thing. 
Um, but I'd like to see it read aloud and I'd like to really hear people's thoughts about it. Um, cause I just think as surprisingly cloning is actually a very like divisive issue amongst people. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's yeah, a really yeah. fascinating thing. And I actually think it's, it just, it brings up a lot of, um, themes and ideas that I think is prevalent to talk about in theater. Yeah. Um, so we're doing that in the second week on the Tuesday. We're doing a workshop, a five-hour workshop with the Michael Chekhov techniques mm. so that people can come in and do the work with us if nice. they'd like to find out what that is. Um, it's like pretty cheap so that people don't feel like they, you have to break the bank to learn it. It's yeah. just, we just want people to feel like they can come up to us and find out what we're doing. Mm. And, uh, we're doing, uh, like a closing night and Halloween party. I just got our SOP so I can, it's, nice. we're doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, we do a Halloween party every year. This will be the third year that we've mm-hmm. done an annual Halloween party, but this time it's kind of nice to do it with the festival. Yeah. yeah kind of yeah. close it out on the same day. And Halloween is for sure my favorite holiday or just kind of, it's just a, I don't know, many, yeah. many think actors and people would feel that way as well. Yeah, yeah, but, it's common. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Um, so, the, the cloning thing. It's interesting. Yeah. How, how, um, when it gets divisive, because I think people are fine as long as it's like in their science fiction and they don't have to yes. think about it. Yeah. 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 But as soon as you present people with like, you know, if this thing existed, mm-hmm. then X, then it gets real. People start to get really. And it's so funny because there's not, a, there's tons of literature around cloning. There's lots of film around cloning. There's mm-hmm. a handful of theater. Carol Churchill has a play called uh, A Number. Um, and there's a few pieces that I've read. Um, uh, I think Alistair McDowell has one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think it's a it's a nice medium to see in theater. And I also think the thing that I think is really exciting is getting actors to play clones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it yeah. takes advantage of the of theater in and of itself that you you can have complete you can have completely different people in the same body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's eerie. Yeah. It's eerie yeah. and it's exciting. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of one of the first hooks into it that I think would be fun to play, mm-hmm. fun to work on. Um, that that is interesting. That's because that is the thing that we will accept in theater that we won't accept in film. Yes, like the twins in uh, in uh, uh, Comedy of Errors. Like, yeah, usually played by two different actors. Yeah, um, who don't necessarily look alike, mm-hmm. but we accept because we say they're identical. Yeah, it's one of those. Suspension of disbelief things mm-hmm. that were afforded in theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just, uh, I, I just think, well, do you mind if I ask what, what, uh, if, if you were going to see a piece about clowns, mm-hmm. what is it that would excite you about it? Cause I've been asking people this kind of question point blank and I've been amazed by how different the answer is. Mm-hmm. So what is your expectation if you were to go see a piece about clowns? Uh, I think what's interesting about, the idea of clones is, um, well, for me right now, because this could change like in like an hour. Yeah. But yeah. like thinking about it in terms of what rights are afforded to a clone. Mm-hmm. Like you are a copy of an original. Mm-hmm. Do you have the same rights as the original? Like even if you were to contain the same memories, but that original is still there. Like what is your, mm-hmm. you know, yes. what's like... Are you a person? Yeah. Are you an individual? I think yes. it's also, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what yeah. I find really fascinating yeah. too, is if, if you're the carbon copy of someone else, at what point do you branch off? And mm-hmm. at what point, uh, or do you? Like, are yeah. you continuing the, the predetermined destiny of the mm-hmm. person that came before you in the same yeah. sequence, the same way, in the same thoughts? Yeah. Or is there some element that creeps inside you that makes you a different person based off the experiences that you've had? It's really interesting because there's a, 
I've been rewatching some Star Trek: The Next Generation. And yeah, there's, yeah. There's like the, an episode where William Riker finds uh, that because of a transporter accident, there's a copy accident. There's a copy of him, mm. and they both have like they have the same memories up to the point where they diverge, and it's a matter of like which one. They just sort of like have this. Obviously, they have an adver- adversarial thing mm-hmm. because Will thinks that he's less because that's just a person, like that's a copy. Mm-hmm. It's a, not the first time Star Trek has has dealt with that cloning mm-hmm. issue, but it's like, how do you like? First off, how do you as as the original relate to your clone? Mm-hmm. Do you consider it lesser? Like what? Are, like how does that all? Yeah, how, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of questions about that. So yeah, and yeah. I think a lot of my fascination, like the basically the. The, I don't know, quick description of what I'm working on is it's a, it's a domestic narrative between that like surrounds the um, explorers clones within a supernatural crisis. So it mm-hmm. takes place in a world that's there's a lot of things going on outside, but we're seeing essentially a mother and son, mm-hmm. and then a mother and son too. You know, right, 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 right. And so and how does that change your relationship with that person? Is your relationship the same? Can you reconcile mm-hmm. the balance between two people? Um, is it possible? Yeah. Like yeah. How, if you've gone through a, a grieving process for somebody and then you experience that same person again and they exist in the flesh exactly the same as they did before. Yeah. How, how do you reconcile that? Like I yeah, can't, I, know, yeah. I just find it such a great experience. Like I, I can't fathom it. So I find <laughs> it so fascinating. Yeah. Um, but it seems so possible and it's not, you know, we don't need explosions. I could just have to be sitting there discussing that is, is enough for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, that's the interesting thing. Like, we now, so much of science fiction now uh, uh, contain, it's all like, you know, laser guns and explosions and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we can also have science fiction and, you know, there's a lot of old yeah. shows that, that used to do this sort of thing where mm-hmm. science fiction is not like... Big grand space operas, which really we do have Star Wars to mm-hmm. thank for that, but like almost like small uh, drawing room dramas sometimes, yeah. just like yeah. about a situation. Yeah, I mean that the, that's I think that's the kind of the beauty of it. Yeah, the more you you draw the realism into these circumstances, the more truthful they become, mm-hmm. and the more we're going to gravitate towards the absurd ideas. Yeah, right. Yeah, like yeah. It's, I think yeah. it's the way that you treat the story, not the material itself. There's a great, I think there's lots of great ways to take stories about anything, witches, aliens, ghosts, whatever, mm-hmm. and you can bring it into a place where uh, it feels like it could be a part of your own life. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. what I hope. Is mm-hmm. You walk into these circumstances and you think, well, what I do in this circumstance? Yeah. Not, wow, that was zany and cool and funny. Like, I, yeah, as yeah. much as there's a place for that, like, you know, I love Rick and Morty as much as the next guy. Not everything I want in life is, like, kind of absurd, zany, no. sci-fi. Well, it's always nice when you, like, if there's a play, and you know, and movies too, I'll take movies too, mm-hmm. but, like, when people leave and they're still talking about mm-hmm. the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so many movies are kind of disposable, You or, or sometimes even plays. You leave, and, you know, that was fine. We yeah. don't feel the need to talk about it. Yeah, but man, when there's when there is a play that people are 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 talking about, like when they leave the theater and like if you walk out and there's still people hanging around outside that theater and they're mm-hmm. still talking about that movie, you've totally like got something yeah. unique there. Yeah, you know? we were like we did um, uh, a show at the Toronto Fringe this year called Recall, a mm-hmm. science fiction piece by <clears throat> Eliza Clark, and one of my favorite things was running up to people at the tents and people being like, "What." 
what does it mean? <laughs> like, what, what, what's going on? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. How, do I, how do I grapple with that? Yeah. It was, it, I kind of had a bit of a science fiction slant, and really that, that play was more about um, psychopaths mm-hmm. than, um, you know, the future. But uh, I just think it's so refreshing for people. I think there's something nice about science fiction, uh, same with horror, mm-hmm. that doesn't get seen very often in theater. And I don't know why. I, I don't have any particular attachment. Maybe it's just because of the the demographic that sees theater. I don't know. I, I have, I have. I mean, I, I think that the demographic might be part of it. Also, theater likes to consider, and in some cases, likes to consider it important, like air quotes, important. And a lot of the times, uh, the establishment sees genre oh, as yeah. it's kind frivolous, of a, you know, right. it's not, not important to talk about in the same sense as yeah, film yeah. kind of in a way. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So you find that like almost nobody does horror in theater anymore. Mm-hmm. I think there's more sci-fi mm-hmm. theme stuff than horror. Cause I think it, people haven't quite, it's also out how very, to do it. it's hard. Oh yeah. shit. Yeah. It's very hard. Like, yeah. How do you do it? Yeah. That and, was, um, yeah, I think it's really fun. I mean, that's yeah. was one of the things that we tried to do. So the, the first show that I did Mercury for was, Certainly in that direction. Um, the unit 102 space was perfect for it, and it was claustrophobic. And I'm, I'm fascinated yeah. with the idea of, of doing theater, like horror in Me a too. theater. Like, I just think it's really, and I don't want to do, we did Titus Andronicus as well, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just, uh, you know, you got to be careful how often you subject your audience to that experience. Uh, I just like I don't I don't want to be known for doing that exclusively, no. you know. But I think it's it's valuable if people are game for it. Yeah. And I think just like horror, when you tell people you have to be good on your promise, yeah. But that they're gonna have a visceral experience, they will line up in crowds, well, you know. They, I, they, I mean, there's an there's obviously an audience for horror, mm-hmm. right? These movies have audiences, mm-hmm. and sometimes they're like hits and sometimes they have a slow burn but there's people who love horror mm-hmm. and we don't give them that in the theater no um i don't and i don't know if it's because it's too challenging to do it or if again we tend to shy away from from genre mm-hmm. but fuck if you could like because theater is so immediate mm-hmm. that you could really like oh yeah really take an audience for a ride that they won't get in the theater mm-hmm. it's like you know if somebody slaps somebody in a movie, nobody gives a shit. Right. But if somebody slaps somebody on the stage, the whole audience is like, Gasps. oh yeah, it's so, because yeah. it's happening right there. So imagine, I keep thinking like, imagine a horror thing mm-hmm. happening right there. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but. Yeah. I think yeah. there's certain place. I mean, I think the, the pillow man's a great example mm-hmm. of something mm-hmm. that's really kind of taken that medium and made it, um, Mainstream. I mean, mm. within theater, I, I've seen lots of. I, I, I've seen. Well, I've seen one production of the Pillow Man, but mm. I, I've, it's been done so many times. Right. I think it's a Martin McDonough's play. I don't know if you've uh, read it, but I haven't. Oh, no. it's incredible. It's um, uh. Anyway, I don't. I don't remember the plot, yeah, but yeah, yeah, but no, it's yeah. um uh, uh, I think he's. I think he's got a, a, an incredible capacity for understanding pacing and expectation mm-hmm. for people when they come into the theater and, and flipping it. And I just think um, structurally, there's different things that you can do with theater than you can with film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's a really untapped amount of possibility within that yeah. realm that we just yeah. don't see. Um, and there's a couple of people who've done it. I remember going to see um, uh, Luis Fernandez, who's one of the Unit 102 guys, did a play called The Hungry mm-hmm. a couple mm-hmm. years ago. Um, and Tonally, it did a lot of different things, but when it when it really clicked into that that horror 
realm, I just remember thinking like this could work. Like this can this can be a, a medium. Like you could have a a theater company dedicated to that. Yeah. You know, and just do exclusively that one thing. Yeah, yeah. And if you can really crank it out, people will come. And I, I think. It, maybe it is too niche. I don't know. I, I just don't understand you know, why it doesn't happen. I don't know that it's too niche. I think that it is niche. Yeah. But it's the kind of thing that I think... Because a lot of people, people who don't go to theater, have mm-hmm. an idea of what theater is. Probably right. because they saw some bad theater. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they think it's other musicals or like another another damn living room yeah, yeah. thing or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it, I feel like if you gave them something they were not expecting, and horror would be that... Um, then they would they would be hooked because those are the kind of people like people love those, um, you know, those those uh, the, the found the found oh like yeah the yeah, found, yeah they love that shit but imagine like being in the room and the murder mystery sort of has that thing too mm-hmm. but like take that to another well so I guess yeah. sleep sleep no more is such a great example of that oh, right fuck, yeah because yeah. they know it, I mean that's I mean. Maybe one of the most successful plays. I mean, I don't know what the revenue is, but I don't know. But they've, maybe they, they've been running for years. And, yeah, you know, they have return audiences. Yeah, they have people who who excel spreadsheet how to get the experience they want out mm-hmm. of their out of the night. So yeah, yeah, it's there's definitely an audience for it. Totally. I think it's also the horror requires. Um, I don't think horror works at a proscenium. Uh, this is maybe my... I think it's very, very hard to... If you've separated your audience from your performers, I don't think you can withhold the same amount of suspense that you oh, could... Oh, no. But when like, you're on the same... You, you can still... It's, it, it could be a thriller, but yes. I, I, I won't have the same fear if you've created a fourth wall for No, me. but like in, in some of the indie spaces in this city, yeah. like, like uh, the new Assembly, you know, yeah, yeah. New, mm-hmm. uh, the Red Sandcastle, some of those other ones, like... The audience is like way close. Yeah, yeah. And there's no separation there. So you could really, yeah, really fuck with an audience and in, in some really. <laughs> and I have. Yes. Well, there <laughs> yeah, you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, not, not, not just for the sake of, but no, uh, but for the sake of storytelling. I just yeah. think that it, you, you work pace differently when you're in a small room than you when you do when you're in a big space. Yeah. I was yeah. talking to somebody. I can't remember who the actor was, but it was somebody in a production of Hamlet that was doing it within a bar and they were talking, Dave Gingrich. And he was talking about, um, um, acting in the bar and what it could do for Shakespeare. And he's just like, it's just, I get to think differently. I yeah. get to think differently in this space. I don't have to show as much, but it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that he's experiencing less, but it was just because of the intimacy mm-hmm, and it mm-hmm. changes the, the format of that. And yeah. I just think horror just really clicks in an intimate environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just you you can't be separate from the action. Otherwise, you, you're not on the hook. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Are you on social media, Will? I am. Okay. Yeah. Um, what, what do you got? Uh, so my Twitter is uh, Will King Actor. Um, I've got a website as well. I think it's also just willking.ca. Mm-hmm. Um, Seven Siblings has a website called sevensiblingstheater.ca, nice. which currently has all the tickets and information available for the Future Theater Fest. Damn. Um, which we hope lots of people can come see. Yeah. And you can tell me all about what you think about the shows. Please do. I 100% mean it. Nice. Uh, I just like having the conversations with people when they're there. Because awesome. I feel like it's actually... I don't know. A lot of people don't realize that they can do that. <laughs> that stick around and talk. No, that's true. People yeah. don't. The people... The, you can tell because in a lot of shows, you know, the uh, the actors are doing their their curtain calls. Yeah, and people are like, I got to get to my car. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It's a pet peeve. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have 
And sometimes, yeah. I mean, sometimes there's, there's processing time. Mm, but if anyone feels yeah. like they don't need any processing time, they can come chat with me. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. No, thank you very much. It was really nice to meet you.